0: let's welcome everybody out today to i am salt lake podcast if this is your first time listening right now and you're like what is this podcast i found why did my friend tell me to listen to this podcast well this is a podcast where we showcase awesome people right here in salt lake city utah We get to talk to musicians, we're talking to authors, business owners, breweries, distilleries, tattoo artists, food truck owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. So let's welcome everybody out today to episode 364. My name is Chris and I am here with my awesome co-host Christina. How are you doing today, Christina?
1: I am doing great. I am feeling
0: energized. How about you? Well, energized this, is an understatement. I am yeah. I am ecstatic yeah. for today's podcast episode. Who's on this I episode? Know.
1: So McLean Taylor sat down with us. He's a breakthrough mentor, and he shared with us actually some great tips for us to all start making improvements in our own lives. And he left me feeling just like energized and motivated.
0: He left me energized. I'm like, uh, McLean, I'm going to call you up and get some like one-on-one coaching here. Yeah. I mean, that's how motivated I was uh, after chatting with him. As always, we're recording today in beautiful downtown Salt Lake City in our podcast studio located right in the back of Empire Merchandise. Empire Merchandise is located at 680 South State Street. And not only do they have an amazing selection of vape juice and vape accessories, but this is where you can uh, come and buy your very own I Am Salt Lake podcast t-shirt, especially for our Salt Lake City listeners. Stop up stop in grab a shirt support the show 680 South State Street and before we get into that interview with McLean let's give a little bit of love to our sponsors for making this whole thing possible I want to thank Five Wives Vodka the Salt Lake Barber Company and Heartbreak Beard Oil seriously guys we could not do it without these sponsors so support them and we're going to be telling you more about them a little bit later on in the show
1: and don't forget, if you miss us in the middle of the week, you can always visit us over at IamSaltLake.com. You can go through the back catalog of episodes, catch up on episodes you may have missed. You can visit our events calendar. And if you're out of state, you can go grab your own I Am Salt Lake t-shirt.
0: All right, guys. Here's that conversation with McLean Taylor when he came and sat down with us to share his story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Every episode, it seems like we start it this way. I like to ask people what did your childhood smell like? Are we already recording? We're, we're good, man. We're, we're we're recording.
2: We're already recording. You just jumped right into it, right? Yeah. We got to get you. I love that. Well, the f- smell that reminds me of my childhood. When I think of my childhood, I remember how my dad taught me how to mow the lawn and work hard in order to get money. Right. And so I would always mow my parents' lawn, and the smell of fresh grass, and I don't know if you remember the old brisk lemonade. Oh,
0: yeah, of course. It tastes yeah.
2: just like a rock star lemonade now. Oh, my gosh. It is so good. So that that taste and that smell together, that reminds me of my childhood.
0: I love it. Now, did you grow up here in Utah, or where's home for you?
2: Yeah, so I grew up... Uh, from the age of two to six in Provo, then we moved to Highland, Utah, and I was there for another six years. So until A was big 12.
0: move from Dude. Provo to Highland.
2: Yeah, not that big. <laughs> um, then the biggest move came from when we moved to St. George for four years, and then we moved back to Highland. And then I moved to Russia for two years. Now,
0: okay. Oh, hey. <laughs> How old were you when you lived in St. George? Um, I was 12 to... Uh, s- 16 years old. How is St. George? St. George seems like it's just full of old people. I don't spend a lot of time. It's in a Saint retirement G- community.
2: It, was mostly. it tough being a teenager? Actually, a- no, it wasn't tough at all. There, there are only a couple of things that you can do in St. George. Number one, you can go swimming. Number two, you can go hiking. They, and then there's mountain biking trails. And so if you're an outdoors type person, you're going to have fantastic time in St. George. Uh, the next thing is everybody goes to, uh, I don't remember the name of it. It's the electric theater or something like that in St. George. It's in St. George. And, uh, people would go to concerts. They would go to, um, dances. I think one of my favorite things to do just because, uh, you know, of the culture was to, to go to a steak dance. And that's, that's where I started meeting women, of you course. know, <laughs> I, did, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I did the same thing.
1: That's, that's what dances are for.
2: That's yeah. Steak dances are for man. Yeah. And so it's funny that you say that because at that time when I was going to all these steak dances, I started seeing these previews on TV for you got served, which is an old breakdance movie. If you're not familiar with it. And I saw this guy do this head slide on this TV and I said, oh my gosh, I have to learn how to break dance." So I go and I talk to my mom. I'm like, mom, you got to teach. Can I, can I take breakdance lessons? And she says, oh yeah, but just so you know,
0: that head slide he did, those are just special effects. Wait, your mom told you this? How did she even know that? Was your mom kind of hip and cool?
2: Uh, yeah, well so my mom is hip and cool. She's been in multiple Stuart edge. Music <laughs> that, that sound videos. is so old. She, she's pin. been in, in like Stuart edge, uh, music videos. She's been in RJ Edo's music videos. So she,
0: and I'm unfamiliar so she's with a either dancer? one of those. Well,
2: she, she actually grew up in New Jersey and she dated oh, a wow. Puerto Rican. So yeah, she knows how to well, dance. She's,
1: she's got moves. Oh,
2: she knows how to move. And so obviously <laughs> I, I have a very good relationship with my mother. Um, she's one of my best friends and, when I started going to all these dances, I started imitating breakdance moves Sure. until eventually I went to an old gun shooting range with my dad and it wasn't a gun shooting range anymore. It was a dance studio with bulletproof glass and that's in St. George. No, this was actually after we moved back. So I had been breakdancing at all these steak dance, you know, activities in St. George. And then we moved back when I'm 16 and that's when we we were back at Highland, and it was in Linden, Utah, where we saw the the dance studio. It I think it's a the Point Dance Studio now, but I, I don't know. Anyway, it's it's in Linden, and we saw that it had break dancing there. And I said, Dad, I've got to learn how to do some break dancing because I've been guessing for the past two years. And he said, Okay, let's do it. So we found a, a break dancer who was part of the Groundhounds crew. Um, shout out to anybody who's ever been part of that crew. I know it's pretty big. Um, and his name was Jeremy Hannon, or the Bionic Sloth, right? So I started learning how to do some break dance moves, and uh, I learned how to do the windmill in two weeks. And at Homecoming, was the first time I did connected windmills. If anybody knows what a windmill is, it's when you're spinning on your back, your legs are in the air and you're spinning onto your onto a stall on the front part of your body as well and then you keep, you just keep spinning with your legs in the air. And uh when I did this at homecoming, I felt like a champion. I felt like I had done something amazing in my
0: life. Well, sure
2: and because it's it takes so much practice and so much muscle memory and lots of hard work lots of passion lots of energy and the first time i connected windmills i did 7 in a row and i was surrounded by all of my peers at school it was exhilarating And so I continued with that. I continued learning how to breakdance. I eventually learned how to do a head slide that my mom told me was just special effects. And at a BYU performance in front of about 3,000 people, my mom was in the audience. I did a 10-foot head slide on the floor, and she looks over at the person next to her, and she says, that's my son. (laughs) And so it was really good because I started understanding at a young age that even though somebody told me that something was impossible— It didn't mean that. And I started understanding at a younger age that our beliefs can either propel us forward or they can hold us back. You know, I I later went on to become a break dancer for the Utah Jazz halftime shows. Seriously? Yeah. And uh, it it was part of a a drumline group. So the the drumline group is actually found at UVU. They call themselves the Green Man Group. And they dress up in these green suits, their drumline, and they had break dancers and they also had a dunk team. And so I was, you can't wear those suits at a Utah jazz game though. So we were actually the break dancers for the Utah jazz halftime shows. They have many performances. It wasn't a regular gig. Um, I, I later taught multiple people how to break dance. Uh, I had a break dancing business that I started. I, I that gave, is awesome. I gave it away actually to my old break dance teacher, uh, Jeremy Hannon, when I left on my mission okay. to, to Russia, mm-hmm. and when I came back, my students killed me in a breakdance battle. They just
0: slaughtered me.
2: So did well, they you had keep... two years of
0: practice while yeah. you were yeah, and they were doing really good. Did you keep practicing breakdancing while you were in Russia at all?
2: Yeah. So my mission president, he said, focus on the work. So I, I, you know, in in all integrity of why I was out there, I did my best, and I didn't get to breakdance too often, unless it was a talent show.
0: Because that's great, a great form of exercise, man.
2: Yeah, um, I agree. I bet.
0: Like So years ago, I, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up. I, I lived in Utah County, right? My okay. late teen years. And I had some friends down there that were break dancers, right? We'd go skateboard and break. And they would carry, did you carry like cardboard around with you, right? I to, didn't carry cardboard, they did, but I, to, I like, always had an yeah.
2: armband on. Yeah. I'd always have a bandana and I'd always have a beanie with low friction, uh, it's like a low friction plastic to kind of fabric. spin off of that, right? And you can
0: spin on that more effectively.
1: Man, I, you guys are I, I so hip and cool. I'm like,
0: <laughs> I sang
1: in choir. <laughs> yeah,
0: I didn't even know we were going to talk about break dancing, right? Like, right. but you no, know, it's, it's amazing. Oh, gosh, what was the kid's name? I don't know. We can't even mention it off air. I don't want to mention their names in case they don't want to be talked about. But they were good. Yeah, they were real. And I, I was never any good. You know, what I mean, Let, let's see. There was Breaking and Breaking Two, right? Those electric were, uh, Boogaloo, the Electric Boogaloo, yep. and and wow. That that is awesome. Have you, do you still break dancing?
2: I do still break dance. It's, it absolutely is just a, it's a hobby. Sure. You know, okay. I, I love break dancing. I'll go down to, uh, I'll go to some dances with my friends. I don't do it as often anymore. Uh, since my wife and I got married, we, we do different types of dancing, such as country dancing or salsa dancing. Um, or we'll just, Dance at home. Yeah, just I mean,
0: dance at home. Is little. she a
2: dancer too? Uh, so she does For some hip. She does some hip hop dancing. Oh,
1: oh, other kinds. See, oh, that knows, kind of yeah, dancing. Yeah, he
0: knows what's up.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm a little slow today. Well, no, and,
0: and that kind of leads us into. Would you consider, like, on your website, you you call yourself a breakthrough mentor? I do is that. Like, I like that almost more than even coach.
2: Yeah. So. Coach is just a more common term, but it's, it's being
0: abused. It's an overused term. I
2: highly agree. Here's, here's the thing about life coaching or mentoring. Uh, it's, they're essentially the
0: same thing. Sure. Right. But they sound mentor sounds better in my opinion. Mentor sounds like you
2: actually care. That's why, well, here's, here's my (laughs) logic. Okay. With, with everybody's journey in life, we're at some point we hit rock bottom in some way or another, right? And when we hit rock bottom, just like Luke Skywalker or Hercules, you got to find a mentor, somebody who can train you, somebody who can coach you. And that's where the coaching term comes from. The old terminology for it is a mentor. It's just Tony Robbins has made it very clear that life coaching is the typical terminology that it goes under. But here's my beef with life coaching, okay? Before we start talking about a, a breakthrough mentor or life coach or whatever as I am, My beef with it is there are so many who just don't know what they're doing and they don't have a passion for what their fulfillment is. They are in it for the money. They are in it because they don't have to get a qualification for it and you don't have to get a degree to be a life coach and they just... they don't care about the people. They care about them getting money in an easy way. And they'll usually have a lot of people just hanging on after they've invested a bunch of money. That's a problem. Oh, well, ex- mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: Because there's good, there's good
2: coaches out there too. There's fantastic coaches and out there.
1: we've talked often about like how do you even know who to look for? Like what to look for in a coach? How do you know who's good, who's not good? I mean – you could, you could throw tons of money away just trying to figure it out.
2: You can. And there is a lot of risk because there's there's no real actual degree for it. I mean, there is a life coaching degree, but I'm telling you, that's not where you're going to get your chops. That's not where you're going to get really good. Here's what I will say makes a really great coach. Somebody who can consistently love doing what they are doing and they do it For a very long time, they'll probably even give you the first couple of sessions or maybe the first session for free. Um, These types of people, if they've done that long enough, they have honed their craft. They've gotten really good through practice. And that's ultimately what's going to make a great coach or a great mentor in anything. They have to practice what they preach in their own life and they have to practice using the skills with everybody around them. They've just got to get
0: better at it. But how do you know somebody is doing that? So that's a good question. Post a lot of pictures on Facebook.
2: Yeah, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Um, You can ask them a couple of questions about their industry and if they don't know what they're talking about or if they get stuttered by it, Um, that's one sign to be able to tell. Something that I do when I personally look for a coach, now keep in mind that my coaches are on a very high, a much higher level than where most people would start. Sure. You know, for instance, I was, I was recently invited and it's an invite only group into Brendan Burchard's mastermind group.
0: I love, I love Brendan.
2: Brendan's a great person. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to be working very closely with him and about 75 under other individuals in a very, very close knit environment. Rachel Hollis is also part of that group. Lewis house is part of that group. I am also part of that group. So, something that's important in my mind is who is coaching that coach? Who are their coaches? And, and how do you find that out? out? You ask them. Okay. And, and then you maybe do a little bit of research on that. You ask them what do they coach about. If you, they are getting coaching from people who don't have chops, there's a good, there's a good chance that they're not going to know what they're doing that they're going to have very basic coaching. Here's what makes a great coach and what makes an all right coach. An all right coach, if you go to him, for instance, here's a personal problem that a lot of people in Utah have is pornography, right? If somebody says, oh, I need help overcoming pornography in my life. And the coach says, okay, you just need to stop looking at it. (laughs) That's not going to be nearly as effective as saying, okay, the reason why you're stuck in addiction in the first place is because you had an emotional traumatic experience and it, it can come in many different levels, but it was enough for your body to say, I need to disconnect from that painful emotion and I need to manage the stress that I'm feeling from the emotional trigger. And by doing that, you go to your limbic system, which is attached to fear and anxiety. It's attached. I mean, do you see where I'm going with I, this? I do, yeah. You go way more in depth when a person is disconnecting and they're going to their, their limbic system. Sex drive is one of those parts hunger is also part of that. Yeah, yeah. Are you seeing how this is attached no, to No, I, I, I love both. I
0: love both. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good way to relieve stress, but it can become something that consumes a person's life. That is where addiction is born. It's born in the disconnection from a person's emotions. Now, how do we help a person to reconnect to that? That's what a great coach will do. I love it. That's what I do. I, love I help it. people in that kind of an area with addiction. That's one area that I help with. And that's because it comes from traumatic experiences like divorce, which is my main target audience.
0: Let's actually take a quick break. Play a message here from our sponsors. This is a great point to take that break because sure. then I want to jump right into to your mentoring and all that. It's so, so hang tight. We'll be right back. All right, it's that time of the podcast where we take just a couple of minutes tell you about a couple of our sponsors. One thing you need to remember when you support our sponsors. You are supporting the podcast. All right, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the very delicious and the very local Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to the state liquor store, pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to your local bar with a buddy, remember to ask for Five Wives Vodka by name. Let's make Five Wives Vodka the I Am Salt Lake drink, guys. I'm serious. Let's do that. 2019, this is our goal. They actually have three different flavors. Christina and I are going to tell you about them. We love talking about them. Who doesn't, right? They have the original Five Wives Vodka. This is made from Utah Mountain spring water. It's 100% distilled corn spirit, and it's gluten-free. Spring's hidden in beautiful Ogden Canyon. It's inaccessible by vehicle, so they're hiking this water out five gallons at a time.
1: Five Wives Sinful is a flavored vodka with a delicious cinnamon taste. Unlike other cinnamon products that give you that cinnamon candy taste, Sinful is like a morning cinnamon roll and it only has 76 calories per ounce.
0: There's also the Five Wives Heavenly. This is one of their flavored vodkas as well with the delicious vanilla taste. Heavenly's rich, buttery vanilla flavor comes through without coating your taste buds with sugar, which results in more vanilla and less calories. What is the website that they can go to to find out more information about it, Christina?
1: They can go visit Five Wives Vodka online at
0: fivewivesvodka.com. Easy enough, guys. And remember, the next time you head on over to the state liquor store, pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka. Pick one up for that friend that doesn't get an opportunity to go to the state liquor store. And as always, many thanks to Five Wives Vodka for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right, this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by the Salt Lake Barber Company. They are located at 10 East, 800 South, right on the corner of 8th and Main in the Central 9th District. They offer haircuts, beard trims, straight razor shaves, and guys, full disclosure, this is where I go for my haircuts, my beard trims. Isaac over there is top-notch. Actually, Every barber over there is top-notch. They are truly a community barbershop where they focus on providing the best work environment possible, allowing barbers to always provide the highest quality experience while in the chair. Now, they do take walk-ins, but it's better to head on over to saltlakebarberco.com and get a guaranteed appointment. Really easy. This is the way I do it. You go select your barber. You select your services, the time, the date. That works for you. That way, when you go in, you are guaranteed a haircut. Again, they offer haircuts, beard trim, straight razor shaves, saltlakebarberco.com, and many thanks as always to the Salt Lake Barber Co. for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. One thing Christina and I were trying to figure out is how to find a coach, right? There's a lot of people that seem like they would be a coach on Facebook, but it seems to be one of those things that people don't advertise. And why is that? Why why isn't it all like like for example I started doing some podcast coaching, right? Sure. And I posted on Facebook, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a podcast coach." And it was almost like I got torn apart because I said I was a coach. Yeah. But it's like how do people know that that's what you do unless you tell them?
2: Well, that's a really great question. I'm going to answer it in a couple of different ways. However, you and want to. If do I it. don't answer the exact thing that you're looking for, just ask it again. But here is what I've noticed: um, the reason that that you got torn down is because everybody is a life coach today. Well, <laughs> everybody. as well as a podcast yep.
0: coach. Everybody's
2: too. a podcast coach. Everybody's a, a an everything coach. Oh, an opportunity to make money? Oh my gosh. I'm going to take that opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, for me, it was a little bit different. When, when I started, I, I was going through the whole crux of my divorce a few years ago. And it's interesting. I, I actually don't know if my ex-wife is going to listen to this or not. Well, hopefully um, she does. I, 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 I actually what? hope that she does. I, we need some more listeners. I, I actually <laughs> hope that she does. Um, it's not that I, I have a message for her because I don't. But this is the message that I, lear- that I learned for myself as I went through life coaching was I was able to heal. Sure. I was able to recover. And I noticed that within a day of meeting with the coach that I started with, here's what, how did you find that coach? That's a great question. My friend actually brought me to a seminar and uh, to answer your question, why, why does everybody tear you down? And I
0: wouldn't say everybody, but a few people kind of heckled me.
2: And, and then also, how do you f- find the right coach? I mean, it comes down to this is your life coach doing coaching full time or do they have the ability to do it full time? If they wanted to,
0: I have no idea because I can't find any. So that's, that's what, <laughs> that's, that's the a, problem I'm trying to say is true. how do you even find, I mean, obviously wanted can hire you right like now, a, but, like a
2: really great coach. Um, you can go to seminars, you can listen to podcasts. Uh, you can, a lot of life coaches have books, So if you find a good book and there's a, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that if they have written a personal development book at some point or another in their life, that they have some sort of a coaching program available. Usually it's through word of mouth. And most of the great coaches, they usually work with people who are are like CEOs, people in the entrepreneurial space. Something else that I have found is if they're taking a bunch of selfies, And they're saying that they're a life coach. Um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with taking a selfie. But what I'm saying is the type of person that you're looking for is somebody who is presenting themselves as the type of person that you want to emulate. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins actually says this, and I agree with him. If you're looking for a great life coach, you got to find somebody who has the results that you're looking to emulate or duplicate in your life. Because they've walked the path and they can help you on your own path. So that's one way to find, that's kind of one way to vet
0: a life coach. To find them,
2: bro, they're everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> is, it,
0: is, it, is it insulting though to ask somebody be like hey do you coach like maybe they don't advertise it at all right no that, but, there's but nothing like what, insulting about that I, I,
1: bet I it I would be I, flattering even yeah. if they didn't they're like oh maybe that's a way that people learn that they should be coaching that's actually how learn i learned
2: to be a coach is after i was going through this and i started recovering from my divorce people started coming to me and saying do you life coach and i said well i mean i probably could show you a thing or two. And so I sat down with them for free a couple of times. And then they started saying, yeah, I don't want to keep doing this for free. How much do you charge? And I said, uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how much, much I, I charge. Let me think about this. I mean, that's that's how organic it was for me. I didn't have any plans or or any desire to make a bunch of money through life coaching. And I'll I'll tell you something. Like I do have a successful life coaching business. We we make multiple six figures a year. We're doing great. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with stating that. Uh, Grant Cardone even talks about it. He says never be ashamed of talking about how much money you're making. Because it doesn't define a person. Mm -hmm. It just says they may know a couple of things that are helping them to spread value to more people and to receive value from those people at the same time. So I think that, you know, if you are looking for a great life coach, start by just going to some seminars, listening to some audio books. Maybe if you know a person who has had a life coach in their life, maybe talk to them and see what their experience was. I like the
1: idea of like finding life coaches or mentors or whatever who've been on podcasts and listening and listening to them and getting to know them from a distance because there may be some really good coaches, but they may, might not resonate with you. It Absolutely. seems like you want to find someone who'd be a really good fit for you. 100%. It's
0: like a therapist, right? It is? Yeah. You're not yes. going to, you're not going to mesh well. Cause I mean, I've done the therapist thing plenty of times, right? I love the therapist oh, thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. My favorite. I mean,
2: that's because You must've had a great one.
1: I've had some pretty bad ones. Oh no. I've had terrible therapists, like so many terrible therapists and I thought it was the worst. And then I finally found one who I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, and she's
0: life-changing. Well, and they're kind of like coaches too. They, really? well, I they mean, are. they are a life mm-hmm. coach. They are. Really? I have
2: a degree in psychology, so I could have gone down the path of psychologist. And the reason that I switched over to, it's actually a de- degree at UVU called Integrated Studies, and you get to combine two majors. Very cool. I chose psychology and business management. So I mixed them both together. I wrote a senior thesis on nonverbal communication. I kind of understood communication skills pretty well, but... I was going through my divorce at the time. My life was kind of a mess when I graduated from college and uh, I just wanted stability. So I went into sales. I was working at a company called Workfront. They're a great company. I, I had a great experience while there. But eventually people started asking me for coaching and I, I said, I don't know. Let me see what I can do. So I started providing it. And out of you know, all of the high level clients that we've had, I've only ever had two disgruntled clients. And that's, that's a really good rate based on where I'm what at. What
0: were they just, disc- they just were like,
2: oh, you suck. Well, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't the right fit for them um, because, and I love both of these individuals. Okay. And I'm not going to name them. However, there were, there was a lot of work to be done and the work was not done. And I gave them opportunities to do the work. I gave them assignments to do the work and a lot of people, when they get a life coach, they expect that they're just going to have everything given to them. And that's not how life coaching works. It's not a, It's not like therapy. It's, it actually is quite different. A therapist, usually when my experience, okay, when sitting down with a therapist, you're going to talk about the things that you want to talk about as, as the client. Right. And so you're usually going to vent probably for the first couple of months, maybe even a couple of years until you say, this isn't doing anything for me. A life coach is going to talk about the things if they're good and this is their niche is focusing on traumatic experiences and recovery and therapy because there's other coaches, right? This is what I focus on. If they do that, we're usually going to talk about the things that the life coach knows that that person needs to talk about, which the client usually doesn't want to talk about.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So, yes, there might be some more triggers and we're able to, uh, to break some rules that therapists can't, but... It's more effective in, in many ways, in my opinion, or at least from my experience, it was more effective for me. It's, it
1: seems like you want, like, if someone is anticipating or considering going to someone like you, they have to be prepared to be uncomfortable, oh, like to, to really look at themselves in the mirror and be like, whatever they say, I just need to accept it. And I need to make the changes, which is probably
2: really hard. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, a lot of coaches, in fact, you know, Brendan Burchard, we, we say things very similar to this. He says the, everything you want is on the other side of fear. I say everything that you want that you currently don't have is outside of your comfort zone. Otherwise you already have it, right? It's comfortable. Oh, I can go get that. It's done. But the problem is there's, there's a comfort zone for everybody and everybody has that. And that fear or that anxiety that's going to keep a person back. And that fear and anxiety comes from the disconnection. It's part of the limbic system, part of the brain. So if you understand that part of the brain and how to reconnect the emotion, like I, do, like I fully understand, or at least I understand it very well, <laughs> um, I'm always learning for sure. But when I'm able to help a person to reconnect that emotion, they're allowed to take new actions in their life that are way outside of their comfort zone and therefore get the results that they're after. Rather than being stuck in that cycle over and over and over again of being stuck, being
0: trapped. Yeah, that's not a good place to be. It seems like you focus a lot on divorce. Is that correct? Or do you kind of do it all, but that's kind of your specialty?
2: Yeah. So (laughs) it's funny because another one of the coaches in the Valley who's fantastic, her name's Kim Flynn. Um, She owns E-Simplified. It used to be known as Entrepreneur Simplified. She, uh, she, She taught me something very, very valuable for business when it comes to coaching, because a lot of coaches, they want to say that they focus on everything. Okay. That's, that. by the way, is another sign of finding a bad life coach or a life coach who is newer and is refining their skills. Cause there are some good life coaches who just are starting out. Right. Mm-hmm. But usually a great life coach is going to pick one thing and they're going to focus on that. So what have I helped people through? I've worked with clients who have gone through satanic ritual abuse. I've worked with clients who have gone through rape. I mean, that's a very common common topic that we
0: actually tackle. That is sad that it's common considered common.
2: <laughs> it, it is sad. It is, it's incredibly sad. Um, and the reason is is because they almost feel like they can't talk to even their spouse about it, especially in Utah, because there's this uh, there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of judgment. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to discredit any organizations or any churches or religions or anything. However, there is a culture that has to be recognized in Utah where if something has happened to you or if something, or if you have done something in your past, then somehow that means that you are of less value. And I think that that, pardon my French, is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I. I want to focus on these things because if there is somebody who can absolutely benefit, who has been through rape and not necessarily a divorce, yes, reach out to me 100%. I, I have helped people many, many times in that situation. But I picked divorce because most of my, my clients had gone through a divorce. And I also had my own personal story of going through a divorce. And to make it more relatable, that's all, that's all that I market on when I'm online online. I just focus on divorce.
0: You know, divorce is interesting because even though you know it's for the better that you're getting divorced, it's still the most painful thing that I think I've ever been through.
2: So Chris, that's interesting that you say that because I I agree with you and your mindset. Yeah. However, there are also other people out there who it's the best experience of their life.
0: Why? Why do you think that is?
2: I think it comes down to you know their their belief systems really and and how they're internalizing it and that's why i focus so much on limiting beliefs emotional anchors and the action steps in regards to those things is because if a person goes through a divorce and they're having and they feel great and it's actually empowered their life it's given them more freedom that's because they have said in their mind i'm okay my value is not tied to uh, being divorced or going through an annulment or or whatever it may be My value is determined by me. Whereas you have a lot of other people who go through a divorce. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably told the same victim story over and over and over again after your divorce. And it probably was such a refined story that you told it a hundred times the exact same way. That's how it was for me. Yeah. Because I had this belief system that, oh, this all happened, I did everything in my power to keep it together and to be committed to be a good husband, and it didn't work out, right? Yeah, well, exactly. And, and therefore, on paper, it looks like, oh, I did everything right, whereas <laughs> there were some other things on the other side that happened, right? And, and we think, we believe that that happened because they didn't like us or they didn't want to be around us. We, we don't stop and pause and think, maybe my ex-wife— was going through a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, and that was her way of solving her emotional trauma. Was acting out essentially, and and my ex wife, like to be fair, she did act out in certain ways. I'm not going to go into the details, you know, for sake of protection of her, but she was going through her own stuff, and that's that's really as simple as I can make it. So as what was it?
0: Believe, How did you get through it then? I found changed it, my belief. Found a coach, or or I mean, because you did, you. Were you involved in any You weren't doing anything, obviously, when you went through the divorce because yeah. you weren't a coach yet.
2: I, I, I wasn't a coach at the time. I hadn't gone through any coaching at the time. For the first year, I tried figuring it out my own way. I I did a lot of things um, that I wasn't proud of at the time. I, I, felt, I felt like I was losing parts of my soul. Sure. Um, I felt... I felt really, really awful. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it other than it was the hardest thing I have ever been through in my entire life. And genuinely, I wanted to stay married. I wanted I wanted to let her know that I love, loved her. I mean, I've now reached a point where I, I love her again, but how did I get through it? The answer to that question is, I reached a point where I said, I'm stable in all areas of my life. Financially, I gained 20 pounds of muscle. I'm part of a choir. I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself. However, I'm still not happy. And, I, and at the beginning of my journey, I just wanted to be happy. That's all I wanted. So that's why I tried other things that I wasn't necessarily proud of is because I, I was trying to be happy. I was trying to find happiness another way that I was taught uh, growing up because here I was, this good little Mormon boy. You know, I went on a full-time mission. I served honorably for 25 months, came back, got married in the temple. And here I'm thinking, I'm going to have a, a happy marriage for the rest of my life. And then three months into the marriage was our final separation. Yeah, that's how long my marriage oh, was. Oh, wow. So, so it was
0: pretty quick. Yeah. So it was
2: like, you have all these expectations and you go up this ju- this like motorcycle ramp and you're going flying up into the sky only to realize that three months in there is no ramp on the other side and you're going to crash and burn. Where some people have a down ramp, I didn't have that. And so the emotional heightenedness, it was it was traumatic. Whereas some people, they can take 15 years and they they know after the first couple of years that they're going to get divorced after their kids grow up. Like I've talked to so many people about this. And so by the time that they get a divorce, they're like, yeah, I went through all my trauma during those 15 years. I didn't go through it during the time of my actual divorce.
1: See, and that's what's interesting to me listening to you guys talk. I think I might be wrong, but to me, it seems like that men seem to have a more difficult time with it. Like by the time um, a relationship gets to a divorce state, this sounds terrible, but generally the woman has gone through all of the trauma and is like, okay, now I'm done. It's, it's interesting to listen to your perspective as men because... I've, it's, I've had a very different ways. conversations with women and I've been through a divorce yeah.
0: and you were stoked
1: on you. Oh, uh, well I was very, I, you know what? I was at peace. Yeah. I was just like, I'm jealous yeah, of So that, this man. is exactly
2: what I was talking about. Like she went through exactly what I described pretty much. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just like, you know, my value was completely in myself and moving forward and growing as a person,
0: but you still got depressed. You still got sad,
1: right? I did, but it wasn't for those reasons. You know, I had depression and anxiety because I couldn't, I couldn't truly break away, right? Like, I just wanted to move on break and break away
0: from that marriage.
1: Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop coming after me. Sure. You know, so it's just, it's very, it's very interesting to, to, but Listen you have to, to, you have to
0: disconnect from that. That that has to come within yourself is how to completely disconnect from a marriage.
2: You're right. And and once you reach that point where you say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be happy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that eventually happens. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, the pain is outweighing everything else. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and that's how I actually describe it to a lot of uh, people that I meet with is you know, in order for you to change the way that your brain is designed is to go to the path of least resistance. It's going to find the path that is the least painful, right? So if the, if the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, that person will change every single time. And that's, that's what it came down to. I said, the pain of staying like this, even though I've got a great job, you know, I, I, I'm decently built, you know, muscular wise, I'm feeling good. I still wasn't happy. And so I said, something has to change. Mm-hmm. So my friend invited me to a seminar um, and I went to the seminar and they had a, you know, one of those rah, rah fests where everybody starts jumping up and down. Well, I made a break dance circle and they put on a bunch of music and I started break dancing. And so did my buddy. Cause we both used to be break dancers for the Utah jazz. That's why he invited me. Well, so anyway, uh, the leaders of the group, they reached out to me and they said, Hey, can you teach us how to break dance? <laughs> I'm <laughs> yes, like, please. Um, no. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I actually said, really, I'd I be like, not... I'll trade you for coaching well, services. The reason is, is because I, well, I didn't realize what they were doing. I was just there for the rah-rah fest
1: oh, Okay, at okay. first. Right. Yeah.
2: He invited me to come meet these people. I started teaching these guys how to break dance. And then I found out that they had oodles of money and I'm like, okay, what do you actually do for a living? And they're like, well, I made all my money through real estate investing. And I'm like, I'm not interested in real estate investing. And then he says, but now I help people to change their lives. And he grabs me by the shoulder. He's a big six foot three, like 220 pounds of solid muscle. He grabs me by the shoulder and he looks at me. He says, McLean, you are not meant to be working at Workfront for your entire life. You are meant to be on a stage. You are meant to be an author. You are meant to change people's lives because you've got a great story and you have a big heart. And I was like, what the heck did <laughs> this guy just say to me? And that's kind of how I started Learning, I, I I started by having this great coach. I mean, he he charges $250,000 a year and he was hanging out with me because I was teaching him how to break dance, and then he would teach me certain coaching concepts. So I started getting a lot of value from that. Then I started investing into other coaching programs with other great coaches. And I'll tell you, not all of them are perfect. And so I took the things that worked and I modified them. I evolved them. I made them better for me. And then I threw out all the other bull crap that didn't work, right? Because nobody wants me to regurgitate crap. I want to take it, make it better, and I want to give my clients the best possible product that I can. So that's why I'm still, you know, investing into coaches like Brendan Burchard, for example, is because I see the value in my own life and I know I'm going to be able to translate that into all of my clients' lives, which means I have more happy clients. And I think
1: that's so valuable to look for someone- for but like in any anything that you're doing, someone who's continuing to grow. Yes. Like if someone has gotten to the point where they're like, nope, I'm the best. I know everything. I immediately distrust that person. I, I, I do. Don't yeah. you think you have to like I only really trust people who will admit that there's always something more to learn.
2: I think that's what's so attractive about people like Tony Robbins is because and by the way, I love Tony Robbins. I don't agree with everything. From Tony Robbins. Well,
0: and if you do, I would wonder,
2: I well, question, right, right. I'd be like, "What's up here?" But I will <laughs> say, I will say something. I love that he always has a life coach for himself. He always has, and he says everybody needs a
0: life coach. Could you imagine being his life coach? <laughs> you would just—I would be yeah. so intimidated. Be really Actually, I, I would
2: have a blast doing that. Really? Because here's the thing, all it's, right, it's, it's all, not yeah. tied. It's not at that point. It's not necessarily tied to money. It's tied to purpose. Mm-hmm. And when you reach a certain level of income, and this is something that I've, I've learned in the past year, once you reach a certain level of income, money doesn't really have as much of an uh, effect on it's you. It's not a
1: motivating factor. It's really. not a
2: motivating factor as yeah. much. Um, at least it, is for, it wasn't for me, but now it's, it's purpose. I feel like it's my duty in understanding the concepts that I've evolved and that I've even created and I've tested and I've proven that work. That it's my duty to give that to the world as much as I possibly can. That's where I'm at. That's. That's
0: oh, sorry. I was no, going okay. to say, have you written a book?
2: So I, uh, I actually. Because you were mentioning
0: that they, should, your coach should write a book.
2: Yeah. So I actually, uh, I partnered together with that, that coach that I was talking about. And we co-authored a book together, and we, uh, it hit be- number one bestseller on Amazon under a couple of different topics. Now, by the way, I'm going to be authentic and say that's not that hard to do, okay? New York Times bestseller is much harder to do. That's in the future. That's, that's a goal of mine. Um, but I am a bestselling author, and I partnered together with uh, a man by the name of Chris Crone. Um, we don't do business together anymore, but when it came to this book, it was absolutely one of the most wonderful opportunities that I had seen in my business life up to date. And so we partnered together, hit bestseller through a, a very strategic marketing plan. And uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon, just McLean Taylor, Chris Crone. It's spelled with two K's. So it's K-R-I-S.
0: What's the name of the book?
2: Uh, the name of the book is Limitless. And so that was actually the name of the seminar that we were part of. I don't know if it's still going on. I know that he's evolved a lot of things in his own businesses. He's actually one of the 500 in Tony Robbins' big 100,000 inner circle. So he he's doing a lot of things in in other types of business. I know he's got some things in blockchain. I know he's doing some other things, but uh, I uh, I partnered together with him on this and I learned so much from him. And even though I don't necessarily, um, see eye to eye with him on all things, um, including on business, I think that he, he helped me to change my life and I want to do the, I want to be this, that, that kind of a person. I want to be able to help change other people's lives. Now, by the way, I didn't get all that coaching for free. Okay. <laughs> I don't want that clear. I, I had to, I had to pay quite a, quite a pretty penny. Why are
0: coaches so expensive? That's a great question because you know, you, I actually have an answer. (laughs) You, uh, you feel like you need to charge a lot, right? Because you, you feel like, well, if I'm too cheap, people are going to think I'm cheap because every other coach is X amount of dollars.
2: Hmm, So, uh, it's, it's two things. Whenever I have a client that wants to become a coach, I usually recommend that they start by charging anywhere between one to 5,000, depending on their level of experience. And that amount of time can be anywhere between three to six months. Um, I don't like people charging a whole lot of money right out of the gate just because they have to they have to build up their own integrity within themselves, their own confidence of charging a certain amount of dollars. But the reason that a lot of coaches cost so much, by the way, Tony Robbins for, if I remember correctly, for a half hour, once a month for an entire year, so that's six hours total, it is $1 million to work with Tony Robbins. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And uh, he has a 20-year wait list. <laughs> wow. So better get to cloning him quick right and so I uh I just want to say this this is what it comes down to when when there is a fight or flight complex in somebody's mind that's a very very powerful tool to be able to use and so when a person is investing into my programs this is at least how I uh, why I charge a decent penny um, I'm not Unaffordable by the by any means. We have finance options and stuff. We don't do credit cards like a lot of other coaches. By the way, that's another thing you should probably look into. Don't do credit cards if you're ever going to work with a coach. Bad idea. Really? Oh yeah. That so many people have gone bankrupt because they can't keep up with the credit card charges. You don't want to do oh, that. You don't want to do as a,
0: as a client. So like, a client. like 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 don't yeah. use your credit card to pay for it.
2: Well, I mean, you can use your credit card to pay for a payment, but don't don't pull out. Money you don't have $25,000 worth of credit cards and then spend it on a coaching program hoping that you're going to get something for nothing. You're going to have to work your ass off in order to get your results, especially for something like that. What I do is a finance plan, so it's it's extended over a longer period of time, but it's lower payments, making it more affordable for people to get a really great coaching program that's well-rounded. But anyway, going back to your question, why do they cost so much? It's because, it's very similar to how the Vikings used to work. They land on the enemy's island and they turn around and their chief or their, their captain says, burn the boats. And you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to burn my boat. My only escape route from the enemies that are outnumbering me 10 to one. Here we go. I'm burning the boat. And now you're either going to die on that Island or you're going to win. You're going to take it over. The reason that the Vikings were so strong is because, well, number one, they took fear-inhibiting drugs. And number two, <laughs> that they would burn their boats. There was no going back. It was their only choice. There was no fight or flight anymore. It was just fight. And usually when a man is using, or a woman is using their survival mechanisms in their brain of fight or flight, and they're using the fight aspect of it, they usually succeed. That's the reason, that's the psychology behind it. This is one of the reasons why one-offs, especially with like, therapists for instance those can go on for 5 years it's because the person hasn't put forth the sacrifice in saying i just want to be happy the pain of staying the same is not great enough yet mm-hmm. sometimes money can help a person to do that now granted you want to be in alignment with your teachings and your practicing and your skill level with the amount that you're charging okay that's something that i i learned early on was if i'm going to charge a decent amount of money I'm either going to help them to get to where they want to go as fast as humanly possible by giving them as much extra value as I possibly can and that therefore helping me to become a better coach or I will keep working with them beyond the contract until they get where they want to go. And that is also another sign of finding a good coach, somebody who's not tied to your money and how much money you're paying them, but they're tied to I'm going to work with you until you get to where you want to go or at least pretty dang close. Or at least to a place where you know that you can handle this, and with the law of gestation, about three to five years down the road, you'll be able to make a million dollars doing what you're doing.
0: Does that make sense? No, it makes it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. I love it. So yeah, did that I'd... answer your question? Uh, sort of, more it's, or less. It's you a know, law of
2: sacrifice, I mean, I... and you know, being in Utah, a lot of people talk about a law of sacrifice, right? And I I think that it is a practical law. I think it is very necessary. If a person is willing to put forth. A lot of money into themselves, investing into themselves. If the coach has the skills to help them to get to where they want to go, that's an equal trade. That's a good place to
0: be. People find, you know, spending money, It's a, they're a little more invested. Yeah. You know, they, they take, get like you say, take again. a little more seriously. Uh, you know, I've done free classes, right? Free podcast classes. Nobody shows up. You yep. charge ten bucks. People, people show, show up, up, and it's it's weird, man. How you, you take do it that. more seriously
1: when when you are
0: sacrificing? Yeah, your money. it's it's, true. it's really strange. Plus, I'm sure as a coach, you can't if you charge too little amount of money, then you have to take on a million clients, and you can't focus probably that good. Well, with with each person. So you could be a yeah. little more devoted. Well, with that it, person. it is
2: a trap, especially as a coach. If you're charging, let's say a thousand dollars for three months of life coaching, and you can only take on, let's say a maximum of 40 people at one given time. Sure. You've made $40,000 and that's nothing to bat an eye at. I mean, that's a decent amount of money um, for any coach. Like, would you ever pass up 40,000? No, course? I no, wouldn't, you know, really. like, but once you've made that, You have to fulfill on Mm -hmm. it now. You have to work your butt off. Without burning out. Without burning out. And that's usually a problem with a lot of coaches. They will burn out. Yeah. And so if they're not dedicated to the passion or the purpose and it's all about money, that's another sign that they could potentially burn out.
0: There's a few Salt Lake City related questions before we completely run out of time here. I mean, we can go on all day here, McLean. I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. and I could already tell you are the type of person we need to bring back through here and get more into depth too on on uh, the podcast. And I'm going to put all the links for you uh, at IamSaltLake.com with this as well. And I mean, we'll have we'll rattle them off here before we close out the uh, the podcast, how listeners can get in touch with you sure, and how they can reach out to you they can work with you. I mean, should I want to work with him?
1: <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah, I'm I know. just sitting here sure. thinking uh, about, sit down. What um, kind of finance yeah. payment plan can we yeah, get on? <laughs> um,
0: but there are a few Salt Lake city related questions that, that I, I mean, got to ask you, you know, okay. if somebody was visiting, you know, when I say Salt Lake city, like I mentioned before we start, I, I consider the Valley, right? Say you have a friend that's never been to the area. They're going to visit. Is there something you would tell them you got to go do this? You got to experience this. You got to, you got to check this out.
2: I, honestly, not, Everybody has mountains. Yeah. Um, And I hope I'm not offending anybody with my Utah accent uh, when I said (laughs) mountain, you know, (laughs) mountain. it's a mountain McLean. (laughs) Um, But I would say go go up Provo Canyon, go see Bridal Veil Falls, uh, maybe go on a maybe go to hike Timpanogos like if you can during that time, go check out the mountains, go up Dry Creek Canyon and Alpine. These are really great places in nature, right? But if somebody is not into that, I would say that a good place to start, obviously, I'd say Temple Square. Yeah, well, you, you know, got it. I mean, you got to you got you go got to check Experience out Temple it. Square. It's a uh, there's nothing quite like the it. same <laughs> anywhere really else in the world, right? I mean, there are there are like there are other castle type things, but um, you know, seeing the temple and and seeing just the the beautiful craftsmanship of all the things at Temple Square. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I'd highly recommend that. That's uh that's probably what comes to my mind. Other than that, I would say just things like go to, go to a good dance party, sure, <laughs> sure. you know, go check out, go check out some of the fun stuff that we have
0: in town, go to a jazz game, Right. go to
2: a jazz game. That would be fantastic. And they're not hard to get tickets for. Also concerts are really big in Utah. You can go to the Depot or the, they used to call it the Maverick center, the Vivint home center yeah. thing, mm-hmm. where, where the jazz games go on. Uh, yeah, just going to something like that would be absolutely wonderful for people. Would you from out of
0: town? Would you change anything about Salt Lake City if you could if you had like an opportunity to change one or two things is there? Maybe there's not.
2: Honestly, I I think that it would it would be so much cooler. I might get some flack for this, but I I actually support prop 2, right? Yeah. I I believe that people should be able to smoke marijuana if they want to. Yeah. I I think that it is a beautiful thing that You know, may it, it, I could it be, but could it be abused in some ways? I, I think, yeah, if somebody's driving while they're really high, sure. They probably shouldn't be driving.
0: Chocolate candy could be abused, but we can go down and and buy a bag of Skittles for $1.99, right? Yeah. (laughs) And and sugar,
2: water, all these things can be abused. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of things that I know about marijuana. It's number one, nobody's ever overdosed on it. So why are we worried about it? Right. I think that sure, there are some statistics that show that before the age of 25, that maybe there's a, a higher risk of suicide or, or I mean, there's, there's your brain isn't for your brain has not yeah. formulated, yeah. but yeah, like yeah. if it's used responsibly, I personally believe that marijuana is a lot safer than
0: alcohol. Amen.
2: Yeah. And all the opioids. Oh my gosh. Time. Don't even get me started on the opioid yeah. uh, crap in Utah <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or in the world. Okay. It's, it's a problem. I believe that, Um, something else that could probably be changed is, you know, if there was a, a, a greater connection between the other cultures in Salt Lake city, such as, you know, the, the LDS culture, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as the LGBT community. I know that there's some outreach going on there. There has been a lot of history there. And I think that, if we just show each other that we are all part of the same community, maybe we're not part of the same religion. Maybe we're not part of the same belief systems, but we are part of the same community and we need to be on the same page. We need to we need to support each other and love each other, even though we do things differently. I think that it is ridiculous, the shame culture that is in Utah. And I think that it does need to be called out on. And I think that everybody who listens to this Let's just take it on ourselves and say, I am going to love the person that I disagree with the most. Maybe that is a Mormon for you. Maybe it is your gay friend. Maybe it is, um, you know, somebody else. Maybe it's your parents. Um, But you're going to still love them and support them in living their life to the best of their ability because that's what you're doing as well. And I think that if we had more love and more acceptance even, and, and none of this, by the way, I'm going to point this out. None of this bullshit where it's like, oh, I accept you, but not your sins and your choices. And mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, you're missing the point. The point is to love them and support them even in what you perceive to be their sins. That is love. It is full acceptance.
0: Boom. I love it, man. We should have, Mike d- drop yeah. quick. Hopefully if people are sticking around this long into the podcast <laughs> yeah. and you're still listening,
2: maybe you need to put something at the beginning that says stay until the end. There's yeah, a it. fucking ramp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pardon my French, <laughs> but <laughs>
0: no, I, hey, I told you language wasn't a problem.
2: See, it now, might be for some of your listeners. <laughs> no, no, no. They, have
0: they, they've, they've heard worse on this podcast. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, what about favorite? Do you have any favorite places you like to go eat at? Favorite local eating spots oh my that aren't good. That aren't like McDonald's or Burger King, right? Like, Maybe a little more mom and poppy,
2: you know. Okay, so obviously Beto's, right? Oh, Beto's, yeah, Beto's is fantastic. It. That's, it's that's it's good, open yeah. late. Go eat a big freaking sandwich. It's or, or burrito. It's amazing. The breakfast burritos. The breakfast oh, burritos are incredible. Man. There's another place that I go to with my wife all the time, and it is a local place. At least I think it is. Yeah, even if you're, yeah, the Bombay House. Yeah, yeah, oh, Indian yeah. food they make the best Indian food I've ever had. And and they, and it's not just the Indian food that they make. Cause it's pretty dang good. Right. Yeah. It's the atmosphere. It's the environment. And I've never had a mean waiter there. I mean, yes, they, they, they are, you know, business related, but I, I'm pretty sure that it's a family run business. Cause I see the same guy there after 10 years of going to the Bombay house. And that, they're just effective they're nice they're on they it's it's just a great place to eat go go eat at the bombay house but make sure that you go a little bit earlier because there will be a little bit of a wait time
0: now how can listeners what's your website how can listeners reach out to you mclean
2: yeah that's a great question uh, you can reach out to me one of two ways uh actually one of three ways you can add me on facebook if i haven't hit the friend limit yet
0: um, the friend limit's the worst
2: that it is uh i'm going to be creating an instagram soon so I'll probably send that information over to you so sure. that you can post it so that people can read that soon and, and find me on Instagram within the next few months. But right now, um, Facebook is just facebook.com slash McLean Taylor. And McLean is spelled M-C-L-E-A-N. And you can go to my website. It's McLeanATaylor.com. So that's M C L E A N A. T a Y L O R.com. And, uh, you, you'll have like a little section where you can write me a message or, and, and it'll go right to my email, or you can just email me at McLeanataylor.com. Uh, wait, McLeanataylor at gmail.com. That's what I meant to say.
0: I love it. And I'll put all that at, I sure. with this episode. So in case you're driving right now and, and whatnot, and you can't write it down, just Head on over to I yeah. com with And I'll, this. I'll provide
2: a link as well for the for the Amazon book. Okay. Or if somebody wants to meet with me and they want to set up something, usually at the first session, I'll hand out a free copy of the hard uh, of the hard copy book okay. that I have. And I'll sign it for you as
0: well. And I, I really urge that with listeners. I, I try to urge that with every episode is to connect with the people you're listening to, because that was one of the biggest reasons I created this podcast was for all of us to be able to connect. Right. Like, yeah. A lot of people don't know about you, but now they do. It's like at least send them an email and say, "Hey, you know what? I, I listened to your podcast on 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 I am Salt Lake. I mean, I'm sure you would love to hear that. Yeah, right? I would I mean, absolutely
2: with... love to connect with everybody who's listening to this. Um, um, if if I need to delete a couple of friends that I don't know, <laughs> I mean, I, I I might be able to do that. Yeah. Um,
0: now, are you in our I am Salt Lake community? We have a Facebook group. You should join it if you're not. That way, the oh, listeners yeah. can connect with you. That I'll way. I'll do that before too. I
2: leave this uh, this yeah studio.
0: yeah yeah. We have a Facebook. We'll lock group. the door until you do it's fine we have a a facebook group that i want all the listeners to come into because we'll just we like to chat in there about about the episodes but you christina has a question that she likes to ask at the end of every podcast recording and i'm expecting a really good answer i know i am too you've set the bar pretty high
1: so would you leave us with one piece of advice for our listeners
2: life advice can i give you five questions that will change your life let's do that yeah is that okay yeah Uh, so Whenever, whenever my clients get triggered or if they find themselves in a place where they're like, I don't know what to do. I always have them go through these five questions. Okay. And by the way, this is, these five questions are very, very effective. If used properly, I recommend that everybody memorize them. Okay. The first two have to do with emotions. Okay. Number one, what are the emotions that I am feeling right now? Number two, why am I feeling these emotions? The last three are in regards to what you want. Number three, what do you want? Number four, what do you need to believe or perceive in order to get what you want? Number five, what do you need to do to get what you want? And then I'm going to challenge everybody, whoever, like whenever you use this, to immediately, as or as fast as you can, do that thing. Just a quick example of how it works. If I'm having you know, a hard time because I just went through a breakup or a divorce, right? A very relevant topic. What are the emotions I'm feeling? I feel betrayed. I feel anxious. I feel sad. Why am I feeling these emotions? Sometimes that, that answer might be a little obvious. I'm going through a freaking divorce, right? <laughs> um, or maybe it's my ex-wife won't let me see my kids as often, right? Well, okay. Now that you've addressed your emotions and you have validated why you're feeling them, Now you've got to focus on the things that are going to get you to where you want to go. Question number three, what do I want? Well, I want to have a better relationship with my ex, even though we have gone through or are going through a divorce. Okay. Let's say that that person is in the middle of divorce document signing. Like it's, it's in the middle of the storm, right? Yeah. Okay. And then question number four, what do I need to believe or perceive in order to have a better relationship with my soon to be ex or with my ex? Okay. Whatever. Well, if I were going through it, I'd say, well, I probably need to show her what my intentions are, why I'm behaving the way that I am. So uh, if I need to believe or perceive something different, it's that there is a chance that she will listen to me. There's a chance that she will she will want to work with me on the same page. And then number five, what do you need to do? I mean, I kind of answered that already by saying, I need to communicate what my intentions are, why I'm doing something and ultimately, I don't want to fight anymore. So what do you need to do? You need to communicate what your intentions are and where you're at in that relationship. And you may want to do it in a mature way if you want to have a a good relationship with that person. So those five questions, I'm telling you, if you apply them, that will change your life.
0: Perfect. I've had a heck of a chat, man. Yeah. Thank you for coming. I know we, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, we could go on five more hours, I'm sure, but uh, we'll have to bring you back on. Yeah, and, I'd, uh, I'd be happy about do that. Do some catch up, and and I want to get a copy of your book and uh, read that. So maybe I'll read it next before we we bring you back through. But thank you so much for coming and doing the podcast. We yeah, to,
1: thank you. It's been amazing. Any, any
0: final things that we didn't cover while we're still recording that you want to make sure blurt out real quick?
2: Pretty much that we we have an online course, and it is thirty nine videos that train people in all of the techniques of how to get out of these emotional depths of hell or these traumatic um, moments of our lives and how to recover very quickly and make better decisions because people don't make decisions logically. They make them emotionally. Yeah. And if you're cut off from your emotions, you're not going to be making decisions very well or at all. You will stay stuck. These skills have been with my clients. They have been proven. Okay. I, I can't make a claim cause I'm not a, a licensed therapist or anything, but with my clients, they have all seen massive results. I've helped people quintuple their income. I've helped people recover from divorce in a month, like very quickly. Wow, that is really quick. <laughs> and uh, and we, we've done some amazing things with, with clients that we've had. I've helped people overcome many forms of addiction uh, by using these skills. So anyway, the reason I'm bringing up the course is because this is something that you can get even if you don't have a whole lot of cash on hand. Okay. We do payment plans. We want people to understand that it is better to get something than nothing at all.
0: Absolutely. It is
2: always better. So we've automated these courses. It's 39 videos with examples. We've written up scripts to make it very, very easy, very similar to how I pointed out those five questions All of these different types of very in-depth breakthrough, they are scripted so that you, Chris, you could literally read these things to me or to yourself and get the same result that I would have with my high-level clients. I love it. It's amazing. And those
0: are on the website.
2: So those are not on the website. The course is something that if you are interested in looking into, you may want to message me or email me about that. It includes the scripts, the video courses with recorded examples of us taking people through it. It also includes access to our Facebook community where you can practice these skills with other people who have gone through uh, the trainings who many of them have gone through one-on-one coaching with me and, and my other master coach. And it's just a very effective system. I've seen that this is one of the most effective coaching programs out there. And I'm not saying that to gloat or anything. I'm saying it because I've observed it with my own clients and it's... It's very effective. So if that's something that people are interested in, fantastic. If they're interested in one-on-one coaching, fantastic. Reach out to me. I'm a very personal person. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it because I genuinely want to help as many people as I possibly can because it feels like it's my duty.
0: Thank you for coming doing the podcast, man. Hey,
2: thanks for having me guys. Yeah, you bet. Thank you
1: again so much to McLean Taylor for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links to connect with McLean can be found on our website at iamsaltlake.com slash 364.
0: All right, guys, this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Heartbreaker Beard Oil. I might be a little biased because not only do I wear this beard oil, but I am the owner of the company. Heartbreakerbeard.com is where you can go and pick up a bottle for yourself. Try it out. You know, I've been trying so many different beard oils in uh, for guys here in Salt Lake City, that deal with this dry air, you know how important it is to uh, moisturize that beard and a little bit of that skin underneath it. So you're going to want to try Heartbreaker Beard Oil. Heartbreakerbeard.com is where you could pick up a bottle. It's a great way to support the show. All right, it's that time of the podcast where uh, Christine and I, we get to recommend something. We get to talk about something that maybe is important in our life, something that we want to share with the listeners. Maybe you get an opportunity to get to know us a little bit better, right? I don't know. I'm going to let you go ahead and give your recommendation first, Christina, if you want to go ahead and, uh, and, and Yeah. You're ready, hey,
1: man. my recommendation is especially right now during the dry winter months. And if you're out West, grapeseed
0: oil, what do you do? Just rub it all over I your body. I rub it all over
1: my body. Every <laughs> time I get out of the shower, I put it on my face. I put it on. My, I kind of, you know, maybe borrow some from that's
0: a your be- collection. That's a beautiful visual. is <laughs>
1: keeps me naked longer, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's like so amazing. It's been my favorite thing this winter.
0: My recommendation are the tea tree toothpicks. Uh, gosh, I meant to bring in the container when we recorded this. I keep it in my car usually, but the the tea tree t- toothpicks, I know I pick them up at Sprouts. They're awesome. It's like three bucks, this container, it lasts forever. And and instead of gum, I use this and my mouth feels refreshed. clean. feels like I just brushed my teeth. I know it's a silly recommendation maybe, but I love them. Oh, it it even helped me quit smoking good. cigarettes.
1: Yeah. And it's cute because Lucy keeps trying to take them from you and put them in her mouth. So that's
0: <laughs> I want to drop adorable. them on the floor or something like that.
1: <laughs> that's going to be it for this episode. Don't forget to thank our show sponsors, Five Wives Vodka, The Salt Lake Barber Company, and Heartbreaker Beard Oil. You can send us an email and say hello at hello at IamSaltLake.com or send letters, packages, and magazine subscriptions To PO Box 4412, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84110.
0: All right, guys, have a great week. I'm serious. Get out and enjoy the city when possible. I know uh, it's hard to get out there with the snow sometimes, but get out and enjoy it if you can. Support local, and we're going to see you on the next episode.
1: And good night, Grammy.